Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A tough weekend for the Rays. They're swept by the Chicago White Sox, losing a bunch of one-run games and spoiling, I guess, what was a pretty good 2008 Rays reunion over the weekend. Has Chris Godwin become the starting wide receiver ahead of Deshaun Jackson? Dirk Cutter says he's a starter, says he's one of four. And Urban Meyer says he wasn't clear and accurate when he denied knowing anything about Zach Smith's domestic violence and assault accusations. What helped his memory and what happens now? We'll talk about all that and the 73 posted in the final round for Tiger at the Bridgestone World Championship on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Let me tell you about a special offer, folks, we have from our friend Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. This is an unbelievable. We're going to make your anniversary, your engagement, or any special occasion even more unforgettable. Now, at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, with a minimum purchase of just $2,000, you'll also receive a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two on us. That's right. You pick the cruise line. You also pick the destination in the Caribbean. You just pack once, and you get to enjoy romantic and fine dining and Las Vegas-style entertainment every night. Make sure to let Annie know you heard it from Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay. So dazzle the one you love with diamonds. And then celebrate with a romantic Caribbean cruise on us. It's a no-brainer. Get all the details now from Andy at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. And remember, don't waste your time in the shopping mall where you're going to pay that huge overhead and tons of money for jewelry that really you can get at a better price at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That's where they offer a stunning selection of dazzling jewelry, personal service, and wholesale prices that are easy on the budget. And best of all, there's no pressure. Just go see Andy. He's going to pour you a nice scotch, and he's going to help you find the perfect diamond for your loved one. It's Continental Wholesale Diamonds, and right now you spend $2,000 to get a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two on us. They're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard, Suite 150, right next to the Penthouse Club. All right, so Steve, you were there. Uh, the Chicago White Sox, not exactly a great baseball team, to say the least. The Rays have been pretty stellar at home of late. And yet, somehow, they managed to play down to their competition, which seems to be a theme of this year for some reason. And they wind up losing or getting swept by the White Sox, all one-run games, and I guess not really good ball either, right? Well, you think about it. And, you know, I was, I was thinking about this today when I was coming home from the game of the transition this team's gone through in the last week, week and a half. I mean, they got rid of pitchers like Chris Archer and Nathan Avaldi and Matt Andrees. And so you're playing a lot, a lot more young pitchers, a lot, you know, that are in situations they weren't in before. They're maybe getting more innings, et cetera. And then you suffer a couple injuries on your offense. Tommy Pham and Daniel Robertson now out. And you've got a very young team that this is what you get with young teams. You go through ebbs and flows, and you have good moments and bad moments. And they, it's kind of a roller coaster a lot of times. And maybe that just caught up to them this weekend. I, you know, I don't know that for sure, but – you know, it was a lot of bad baseball, a lot of walks, a lot of, especially on Sunday. Um, the first four innings of that game was just awful to watch. Uh, both sides couldn't pitch. There was, 
about half the at bats were ending in strikeouts or walks. So I mean, the the time between balls and play was like six minutes between balls and play in the game. I mean, it was just really bad to watch. Um, you can what see you what say it took him like almost two hours to play four innings today. Yeah, I've got the numbers here. So uh, an hour forty six minutes for the first four innings. There were twenty two balls in play. Eight of those ended up in hits. There were nine walks and nine strikeouts between the two teams. Goodness. Yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. It, it picked up the pace after that, and that's when a lot more of the scoring happened. But, um, you know, you really think about it, and there was a note in, in Topkins over the weekend in the paper of the pitching, and that Sergio Romo is the only pitcher on the staff with more than two years major league service. Well, and, well I guess Snell, I think Snell does now, but he was on the disabled list when that note came out. I think it was Friday. That it's a very young team. And and this is all experience they're gaining for the future. And mm-hmm. and you hope that they can take a weekend like this where you didn't play very well. Um, Sunday, at least, you got some offense, but you really didn't play very well over the three games. That This right. is a learning experience. That's what you hope for this team. That, you know, they really don't – I mean, on offense, who are the veterans? Carlos Gomez. Who else? I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer's the next well, big veteran. Well, KK would be with the other guy, yeah. yeah. And, there's you know, otherwise you're playing a bunch of rookies and second-year guys, to be honest. Right. Yeah. That's what this no, team look, is. And it's built for the future, and, and it's about next year in 2020 at this point for this team. I mean, they'd like to compete this year, and they're trying to win, but ultimately yeah. this is about building the team up for the well, future. Don't forget, they. I mean, you mentioned, um, you know, obviously Archer, and, and but don't forget they lost Wilson Ramos, who was an all-star mm-hmm. catcher. Um, you know, uh, Hechevarria goes as yeah. well. I know yeah, and had, DFA, had Daniel but, Robertson got hurt a couple days prior, Hechevarria is still here. Right. I mean, that's kind of a sad sad timing mm-hmm. on their part and then fan just gets here and he and he ends up with this this weird fracture on his foot yeah he um, got hit by a pitch twice in his first what three games with the team yeah and the, you know the second one uh broke his foot essentially although when they x-rayed it the first time it looked normal and fine they didn't see it yeah and it turns out it was a different toe or part of the foot that got broke and you yeah. know, he woke up with pain and so they re-x-rayed it and that's going to i mean you know until until sunday's game i mean they the, the problem was scoring runs right mm-hmm. i mean they they pitched okay they were in the game as one run games they made some good defensive plays threw some guys out at the plate so they were in it um but they didn't get the big they didn't get the big hit when they needed it and then you know on sunday it was just a case of they had plenty of opportunities you know uh to to blow that game open and they couldn't do it and then they couldn't pitch so when they got the they got the runs they didn't get the pitching uh, and then it was the reverse of that. But I still think, um, you know, young players aside, and it's no question, I mean, look at the, the transition they're making and, and just the turnover within the year. I mean, you go back to opening day and who was on this ball club versus now, uh, it's pretty dramatic. But there is a part of them, and this is true of young teams, I think, is that, you know, when the Yankees come to town or the Red Sox come to town or they're on the road, you know, against a good team, um, there's a lot more energy, you know, a lot more. They're just, they're just up in, in. They just bring it, you know what I mean. And I, I was listening to um, one of Neil's pregame shows today, uh, and Brian Anderson made the point. You know, he's he certainly was on a lot of teams, and he goes, you know, when you're young, you you've got to learn that when you're playing Baltimore and they're the worst team in baseball, or you're playing, you know, the White Sox, and you should you should mop up with some of those teams. You can't. You got to bring it. You know what I mean? You there is, you don't take your foot off the accelerator, and I think, I think that's all part of of learning how to play in the major leagues and being consistent, and um, you know, and not, 
falling into the trap of this is a really big series and then, oh, this is the Orioles. Well, that's one thing veteran leadership brings. If you yes. have the right vet, this weekend was the 08 reunion for this team. Right. How many guys brought up uh, Cliff Floyd? Cliff Floyd. That, yeah. you know, he held people accountable. If you, if you think of the Lightning, Dave Anderchuk held everyone in that locker room accountable for every yep. game and every, every shift, every, every day that you were going to bring it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the they question- talk about Dan Wheeler and, and, mm-hmm. and oh. the bullpen that may, yep. coming in in 07 making the difference. Yep. He's the other one on that team. Dan Wheeler and mm-hmm. Cliff Floyd are the two names you hear nonstop on that 08 team of mm-hmm. veteran guys that made sure everyone was accountable and that everyone was going to come out and give it their all every day. Doesn't mean you're winning every day because, you know, especially in baseball, I mean, things go crazy and weird, but you're giving it your all. You're not going, oh, it's only the Orioles. Oh, it's only the White Sox. I can, right. you know, I can relax tonight. And, and you know, that's it's something young players have to learn. You have to learn how to win and yeah, win consistently every day. And, and that's you know, right. that's really – if you've ever, you know, even a football season, which, you know, it's only 16 games, but the grind of a season, it's a long season when you're out there mm-hmm. six days a week practicing and, and your playbooks oh, and yeah. your meetings and all that. And baseball, you're playing almost every night and basketball and hockey. Mentally is harder than the physical part of the game. Sure it is. Sure it is. It's a grind. Even if you just, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you've covered football teams for years and, and it's a grind. I've done baseball and I'm not the one playing it. You're not the one playing it either. But mm-hmm. it, it's a mental grind for players that you have to learn how to deal with that. Especially, you know, young players, of, you have to learn how to deal with the ups and downs that come with the mental part of the game. And if you can do that, you're going to be pretty successful. Yeah, it was interesting listening. I, I heard a lot of the interviews with uh, some of the 08 guys. And, of course, we can talk about how magical that year. And, and, you know, they started to show signs of it at the end of 07 and, you know, mentioned Dan Wheeler and guys like that. Um, but there, you know, I was listening to an interview with Rocco Baldelli and it was, you know, the, the, the penultimate question is, when did you know, you know, when did you know you guys could were capable of this? And the answer was when we started doing it, you know, the answer was when, um, you know, there's that, they lost seven games in a row to end the first half when the all-star break with a seven game losing streak, they played just awful at Cleveland and a bunch of places. And, um, you know, I guess Don Zimmer was instrumental in talking to a lot of guys about it how to handle that, you know, coming out of the all-star break because it was going to be two weeks before you'd have a chance to win a game again. Um, but really what, what Baldelli and I heard some others say is that, you know, um, you know, you think you can do it and then, and then they hit that skid. And then, uh, you know, it's basically when you get late into the season, the, fo- the only focus is on just winning that day, you know, and it doesn't matter who you play because, you're trying, you're trying to get someplace, you know. It becomes um, our singular focus isn't on each, any batter or any pitcher. It's just we're going to beat whoever is in front of us. And when you, when you have success and you get to that mentality that it doesn't matter because you just know that that's who you are, um, then that, that's when you start to take off. And, you know, right now they're all young. They're, they're going through the first full seasons of the majors. It is a mental grind. You can see these guys – uh, you know, the competition is so good every single night, and you can't let your guard down. You can't make mistakes. Um, and that's why they're prone to streaks, both bad and good. I mean, we've seen this team win eight in a row, and we've seen them go through periods like they're going through right now and, and get, you know, get swept or beaten up by, by lesser teams. And it is. I think it's just a maturity thing. And I think at some point um, they'll they'll add a veteran. It won't be this year maybe, but 
you know, when they're ready to win, they could certainly use somebody like like a Cliff Floyd, a modern day guy like that. Or remember Johnny Gomes was that Johnny Gomes was a guy that no matter what, he won the greatest player, but he's gonna bring it every single night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and if he was gonna play hard, then, you know, why can't everybody else play that hard? You know? Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of the kind of the the position they're in with a yacht, lot of young players and and look for all the energy that Carlos Gomez supposedly brings and he does at times. I mean, I don't know, you know, <laughs> the other night he got hit by a pitch and fell over like he was shot or something. That was just... absolutely hysterical. But it was so funny because I heard it on radio and they were like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> <laughs> he, they completely bought it. They were like. And Carlos Gomez just drops to the ground. It's like he goes, "Oh wait, he's smiling at his teammates in the dugout." It was actually but, more geared towards Kevin Cash and the trainers. Yeah, because sure. he made some comments that when other guys get hit, the trainers come out. When he gets hit, no one comes out. <laughs> no one comes out. <laughs> and Kevin Cash, well, after the game, said, "I guess we got to pay a little more attention to Carlos." <laughs> yeah, well, he certainly is an attention seeker, and he gets it. But and he, um, I mean, he sold out for that fall. Oh yeah, he, he did. absolutely no, he, stiffened up and hit the ground without flinching first. It was yeah, it was, he, he, it was he didn't beautiful. break his fall. He no, it was like beautiful. A, he looked like a tree had been chopped <laughs> down. Um, but uh, you know the problem with that is he's having such a bad year. I mean, he's batting two twenty, which is a huge advantage over where where he was um, with about what seven, eight, nine home runs, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and and he's just you know plays an okay right field, but he's not in the lineup every day. Or hadn't been, and uh, so you know he would be your he would be one of those guys we're talking about. Except that it's hard to lead, you know, when you're not on the field uh, and you're not productive. Well, here's so, the, here's the part of all the moves the Rays have made, going back to trading Longoria and Steven Souza Jr. and Corey Dickerson, and then throughout this season mm-hmm. uh, of all the moves they've made, all these young players are getting tons of experience. Mm-hmm. And, and and it should make them a lot better for next year. But their payroll, their committed payroll for next year is very small. It's low, yeah. They can go sign veteran free agents to do that. They and can, I'm not saying yeah. you're not getting Bryce Harper. I mean, let's be, let's no, be honest. No, no, no. But those veteran guys that have a lot of experience that you're going to pay $5, 6000000 million a year for, that are going to be those leaders on the team, that may not play every day, maybe in a platoon situation here and there, but they're going to be the ones holding some bullpen guys. That can help, and maybe it may be a you know middle of the middle of the rotation starter that mm-hmm. you're going to pay nine ten million for, but mm-hmm. he's going to be a he's not just going to be a pitcher he's going to be a leader for your team. That's right. what this team has opened up for next year based on where the salaries are with all these players that they have. I mean, this core is extremely young, all on entry level deals or just starting some arbitration for some players, but mm-hmm. they're going to have payroll where they can add to it and bring in some veterans like Dan Wheeler, Cliff Floyd, or you know, you name the team that does it, that brings in those veterans that, that are not just good baseball players or good players, but good leaders, good clubhouse mm-hmm. guys that are going to hold people accountable. That, that's what this team can do next year, and that's what I'm looking for them to do. You know, from Neander and Heinblum and, and company. I'm looking for them yeah. to – what veterans are they going to bring in next year that's less about what they do on the field because you have a lot of your core that you think is going to be the main guys, but what they're going to do in the clubhouse. Yeah, and hopefully maybe one of those guys will be a starting pitcher so you don't have to, you know, burn through this uh this bullpen thing again, but it's been effective 
at least uh, up till now. Uh, you saw a lot of those guys were out there. I mean, it was a, it was an unbelievable turnout, really, when you consider you know there's still a lot of players playing. Of course, James Shields was you know a big big part of that 08 team, and he pitched. And uh, it was cool to see him got... take part in so much of it, even though he was you know on the other team there and, and yeah. pitched Sunday. But you know Saturday he came out for things, and, and Friday as well. And it was really cool to see that. I mean, you know, probably the the best pitcher in Rays history. I would say so. You know, he or David yeah. Price probably him take that David. mantle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was really cool. But, of course, a lot of, like, David Price and Evan Longoria and Ben Zobrist and Joe Madden are all still playing. So, obviously, they couldn't yeah. be here as part of it. But, no, it was, it was a good turnout. Um, looks like those guys were having a lot of fun, a lot of memories being shared all over the place. Um, it mm-hmm. was good to see. I mean, it's hard to believe it's been 10 years. 10 years and, and guys like, uh, you know, Melvin or BJ, now Melvin Upton, um, was on during the broadcast one one of the nights i think it was the first night and uh um he looks like he's still in great shape by the way mm-hmm. he, he says i'm one of the few guys that have actually lost weight since i stopped playing um but he um you know he was saying that you know first of all a lot of these guys look really good but that you know going back to 08 when they're in it because because Mel- uh, bj upton had an unbelievable playoff series i mean you know, all the home runs he hit um, against the White Sox and then again against Boston. I mean, he was he was on fire. And, he, you know, it's I'm sure this is true of a lot of athletes, that, especially when you've had that one year of glory and didn't get back. But it happens so fast. You know, you're so in the moment um, that I'm sure when it's happening, you're not really, you know, you don't really have a chance to, to enjoy it or even he said in in his case he goes I can't even remember like specific games <laughs> just <laughs> you know he he goes you know watching them on the screen and everything he goes you know you you kind of like yeah that happened but um you know he was talking about how they were playing uh, at Chicago uh, against the White Sox in the first playoff series there and they the White Sox had a blackout you know everybody wore black but then they gave him all these white towels. So it's so loud, and he's in center field, and he's yelling at Carl Crawford, and Car- Carl can't hear him. And then he's yelling he's yelling at whoever was in right field, and he can't hear him. He's like, well, I guess that's the playoffs. <laughs> and so <laughs> you just you know, you know just roll with it. He's like, okay. This, and you know instantly, like, hey, this is different. You know what I mean? Like, we're not in Kansas anymore. It's kind of like, you know, this is this is not the regular season. And, of course, it wasn't, and what a – magic carpet ride they went on you know to go all the way to the world series but um but yeah they had i mean they had grant balfour i mean they had a lot of guys that you hadn't heard from in quite some time so also over the weekend we finally got to see the newest pirate chris archer did you catch any of that act it, uh he did not get the win he got a standing um, ovation though the pittsburgh fans love him he was losing though at the time wasn't he uh no he was they were winning um were they winning when they took yeah, him out yeah it was or? in the 5th inning he had given up 5 runs i think it was 4 runs when he came out but another one scored uh, okay. so he went 4 and a third gave up 5 runs 3 earned but the uh cardinals pitcher had given up 6 runs in 4 innings so okay he didn't get a well, decision but he got a standing ovation god bless him i mean that's not exactly the debut i'm sure he was dreaming about um, but maybe the maybe the Pirates fans uh, are happy with that. Look, he's a he's a very he's a very engaging personality. He's a guy that's always going to be you know where his feet are. Um, he certainly forgot where his feet were. Didn't have a whole lot to say about the Rays positively, did he? Or this area in general? Not really. It's a lot of love for Pittsburgh, and 
Yeah. Town, you know, never seen towns like this and crowds like this. And mm-hmm. he did. Le- he did, he did have one. He did Antonio. have one video message for the fans in Tampa. So he did. Oh, he did. Do that. Yeah, but, he but did for that. the fans though, not yeah, not specific to the organization no, though, right? No, he has not really, not really done a lot for that. Mm-hmm. But he did find himself a Steeler jersey. He did. Is, you he know, did. Always cool. It'd be interesting to see him. I think his next start will be in Colorado, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, they enjoy the light air. Yes. We'll see how the ball jumps out of that park. Well, he's, you know, God bless him. I mean, he's still a two-pitch pitcher that's 30 years old and hasn't won a lot of baseball games. He actually used to sinker more than he has in years. Really? On Friday night in Pittsburgh. He did. Yeah. Maybe he'll do there what he wouldn't do for the race. I don't know. Maybe he'll come up. Maybe he'll he'll buy into their pitching coach. I mean, sometimes a change of scenery can do that for you. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, he did hit he did hit a batter in the first inning on Friday night, which he normally doesn't pitch inside. So I don't I didn't see the pitch. I don't know if it just got away or if it was actually pitching inside. So maybe he's maybe he's going to change some things and and get back to that old Chris Archer, which would be good to see for him. Sounds great. It's like uh, you know your couple breaks up after all these years, and you become the person that she always wanted. Yeah, <laughs> if you'd have done that, we'd still be good. we'd still be together. <laughs> they lost twenty five pounds, and you know, all of a sudden he starts picking up after himself in his room, and everything's neat and clean, and uh, he cooks dinner. It's like, wait a minute, I didn't know you were going to be that kind of person. I would have kept you. Um, anyway, well. Good luck to Chris Archer, but uh, yeah, I, I did see that uh, it wasn't a, was not a stellar debut, but very Archer like. And Nathan Avaldi's doing really well in Boston. He's had uh, two outings, fifteen scoreless innings. Well, Nathan Avaldi was doing that here. Yeah. I mean, how, yeah. he had a couple games where he went six innings without giving up a hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy's got an his arm is back; it's live. He's 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 you know he gets deep into games. I mean, there's not much to like about or to dislike about him. Except that the Red Sox are going to win 136 games the way they're going right now. I mean, geez, this is like the greatest baseball team of all time. Do we need to start looking up what the major league record is? What is they it? They may one, break it. It's 119, I think. I mean, I don't know what pace they're on, but it's got to be close to that. They don't lose. They don't lose to the Yankees anymore either. Let's see. The, the uh, I guess 116. The 1906 Cubs and the 2001 Mariners, 116. Ah, yes, the 1906 Cubs. And yeah, you Lou remember, you remember Mariners. I Fra- remember Lou Pinnell. Talk to the pitching coach. Yeah. Frank Chance was the uh, the manager. Was it Frank Chance? <laughs> was that Evers to Tinkers to Chance? Yeah, you, you remember. No, no, that came later. I don't remember. I'm not quite that old. I no. do remember Lou Pinnell's Seattle team, though. Yes, that was a really good team. Disappointing they didn't win the World Series. That's correct. I think they lost to the Yankees. Am I right? Uh, I believe I so, know. yes. Yeah, so they lost like to the ALCS. Seattle, Oakland, and the Twins are always having to lose to the Yankees wherever. Anytime they make the playoffs, yeah. which the, is rare. the ninety-eight Yankees had one hundred and fourteen wins. Right, that would have been the last nice, great team, team destiny. But uh, man, the Boston Red Sox got it all. Although you don't like the closer, you don't like Kimbrel anymore. I know, I love Kimbrel. I'm saying he's not the same Kimbrel we've seen over the last few years. That he right. looks uh, either tired or worn out. Um, his his strikeouts are down. His walks are up. His home runs are louder up. Um, yeah. He's still, I mean, he's still one of the best closers in baseball, but he's not, he's not the Kimbrel you remember from the last few years. Last year he had a phenomenal season. He's not that great yeah. Kimbrel this year. Tell you what, they score a ton of runs. It'll be interesting if they were to play. You know, there's many teams when you get farther down the line that have great starting pitching. So usually, you know, runs are hard to come by. But 
Um, man, they could, that's a tough that's a tough lineup to navigate. If the playoffs started so. today, they're gonna they would face the winner of the Yankees Oakland wild card. Wow. Which, as we were talking before the podcast, Oakland and Minnesota, every time they make the playoffs, have to face the Yankees. I know. I know. Think about the Yankees, though. I mean, they, I mean, by all, in any other division, they're running away with it, too, and probably have like a 20 game lead, except the Red Sox are playing so well. They've now fallen back to eight or nine, nine games out of first place. So, despite, you know, they, they could win 100, I guess, and still have this one game playoff, and anything can happen in one game. Um, even though you know Oakland and, and those other teams you mentioned don't have a great history in the playoffs of going into New York and winning the uh, the, the early series of the one game, but well, the good thing um, about the Yankees is they can go to their A bullpen about the third inning and have each pitcher pitch one inning. That's right. That's right. It can be a three or four or five inning start, and you're you're good to go. Their, the rest their of A way. bullpen is incredible. Yeah. No, it's lights out with Chapman on the back end. Anyway, um, we go uh, from the Rays to the Bucks, and of course, I was out at uh, training camp all weekend, and it was some interesting scrimmaging going on. We got to go indoors on Saturday, and uh, you know, I'd say I say the defense I probably won it overall. Uh, the defensive line, I think, starting to uh, to show a little exertion. Although it's hard to tell because you're not allowed to hit the quarterback, and so Dirk. Cutter is forced to blow the whistle when he thinks there's going to be a sack, and then sometimes it would be and sometimes it wouldn't. But um, overall, big plays made all over the place, especially in the passing game. I wrote a story um, that was in today's Tampa Bay Times about Chris Godwin. And, man, I'm just telling you, um, every day this guy goes out and just puts on sort of – it's sort of a highlight show. I mean, the plays that he makes, he is um, – you know, he, he's better than he was last year, and at the end of last year he was pretty damn good. If you remember the last two games that he started for um, Deshaun Jackson, you know, he had over 100 yards or averaged over 100 yards in both games uh, and, of course, had the game-winning touchdown against New Orleans. So, But you look at him now, and, you know, they, they have hinted at They've not really hinted at it. I mean, they said it. I mean, Todd uh, Munkin said it back in May that, you know, Chris Godwin is a starting receiver. Uh, so what does that mean? You know, well, I mean, what it means based on the, all the, everything that I have seen to this point is that, as Cutter said, not only he deserves to be called a starter, but I think he will be the starter. If you if you're talking about a depth chart, and the NFL depth charts usually have two receivers listed. I'm not talking about the fact that on Sunday they run, you know, three or four receivers and two tight ends, and you know it doesn't add up to eleven. They announce those guys uh, on Sunday. Uh, and it's true that, you know, you know, if you start the game against a nickel defense and three wide receiver set that, that technically all three of those guys, Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin would be starters. But just in terms of, okay, we need two receivers on the field right now. Almost, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be Evans and, and, you know, it's going to be Godwin because um, the big, you know, separator and all this thing is the fact that, you know he's six foot one, two hundred nine pounds, two hundred ten pounds, and he'll he'll block his butt off in a run game, which is something you know with Deshaun Jackson in there, you don't even try to run to his side. You know what I mean? And defenses know that. Um, now Deshaun, by all accounts, I will say this: uh, I had someone with the Bucks tell me that not only is he having an outstanding training camp, I mean he's in really good shape. He's still really fast. I mean the guy. 31 years old, and he's one of the fastest players in the NFL still. It's just ridiculous 
Uh, and it speaks to the, to the training he does uh, with his track coach out in California every year. He's somehow maintained that speed, which is just bizarre. You know, Father Time has not quite caught, caught up to his burst yet. Um, but they say that he's also been kind of a leader too, you know, that he broke him down the other day in the huddle and uh, he's been very positive with everybody. So uh, I don't think he's threatened or uh, I don't think it's like there's any kind of schism if Godwin – uh, winds up being that other receiver, but I'm just here to tell you the guy's earned it. I mean, if you watch him in any given practice, uh, the plays he makes on the ball, I mean, it's very Mike Evans-esque, uh, if you will, because you know he'll high point somebody like Randy Moss, um, and you can be draped all over him. I mean, he had a play in one-on-one drills last week against you know MJ Stewart, where Stewart all but undressed him. I mean, literally. You know, was grabbing, clutching, ball was tipped up, tipped to the. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On the other hand, uh, caught against the shoulder pad. Stewart was pulling him down to the ground with his helmet. Uh, he got away from that and just flipped his helmet off himself. I mean, it was just ridiculous, his play. Um, but he does it every day. He bodies up somebody every day and, uh, you know, and, and makes plays out there. So, um no, don't be surprised. They they said it back in May, and and that he kind of earned it at the end of last year. Uh, and if you look at the contract situation too, remember now Deshaun Jackson, thirty one years old. The guarantee they they didn't guarantee him, but they paid him a uh, three year deal, thirty three and a half million dollars, with twenty million dollars in guarantees. Well, the end of those guarantees are this year. So going into next year, they can you know release him if they want to. Uh, no salary cap ramifications, and you would expect that if Godwin, you know, continues to, you know, produce and get better, as, as everyone expects he will, then you're looking at a bookend wide receiver for Mike Evans for the next three, four, five years uh, until you lose control of him. But eventually, uh, at least early on, he's shown that he has the talent to potentially be a number one for somebody else as well. So um, from a receiving standpoint, Steve, I mean, just in terms of pure targets, I don't know if Ryan Fitzpatrick will be able to get the ball out of his hands. But it's hard to imagine that they that you could have, you know, a better collection of pass catchers. Whether you're talking about Cameron Brate and O.J. Howard as the tight ends, or you're talking about Mike Evans and Godwin and Adam Humphreys uh, as as your wide receivers. No, I mean the the amount of weapons on the you know, as everyone much talks about Jameis suspension for three games and that. But if you look sure. at the the amount of weapons the Bucks have on offense, you're assuming the running game has been upgraded with Ronald Jones who's a rookie sure. running back, to, to, to go has, with Peyton yeah. Barber. And yeah. the offensive line should be better with Ryan Jensen and Marpet moving mm-hmm. back to guard. Right. That if the defense is improved like you hope it is for the Bucks, then they do have a shot to stay in these first three games, win one or two of them maybe, and, right. and, and have a productive season. You know, you still question the quarterback play on this team, and it's the most important position on the field. You know, and how good will Ryan Fitzpatrick be in the first three games? And then how will Jameis Winston 
fit in when he comes back and how will he play after missing three weeks and not taking all the number one reps in training camp, et cetera. That's the biggest question on this team by far. But assuming the other pieces work out and you don't have a ton of injuries that totally screws everything up in that regard, you can see where the Bucks can stay in these games. You know, the first three games are, you know, your three of the toughest teams on your schedule, so that always makes it tough. But they have the weapons where they should be able to stay in them. Yeah, I mean, you know, quarterback, and people, you know, get it twisted a little. I mean, quarterback is really the most dependent position there is on the field, right? I mean, he needs – he needs protection to do his job. He needs people to run the right routes, read the defense correctly, get open, catch the ball, all those things. So, you know, for as much as, you know, you know, you, you handle the ball on every snap. Now, the the one thing I, I, I question about Fitzpatrick is his arm strength at this point. I mean, whatever it used to be, and it was never the strongest arm, it's certainly reduced now. And I, I would think at minimum defenses, knowing that they want to run the ball with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber, and take some of the pressure off their 35-year-old quarterback, they're going to make you play offense in a phone booth. I mean, you're going to have to run by them, and not only just run by them, which Deshaun Jackson can and others, but you're going to have to hit them. And you can't just hit one. You're going to have to hit them multiple times for them to get out of that sort of, uh, you know, eight guys, nine guys within five yards of the line of scrimmage. So I think that it'll still be – a difficult task, but in terms of if you're and Fitzpatrick said it the other day, because look, you know I go up, I, I go up the line of scrimmage and I see who's who's out there, and it's pretty exciting. You know, it's like it's a it's a pretty pretty good uh, car to drive. You know, there's a lot of options. So um, as long as as he can stay healthy and and just function, um, there should be some mismatches out there. But if you haven't had a chance to go out to training camp, and I think there's a couple practices left early this week. Um, Take, just just watch Godwin and watch and plus his demeanor um you know his maturity uh, the way he handles himself he came in as a rookie and and it you felt like you were talking to a guy that was 30 years old that had played eight or nine years in the NFL I mean that's just that's just kind of who he is um but he's really and this is not hype I mean I've watched you know I've watched guys put on shows before uh, in in training camp and maybe it didn't translate but um, just look at look at last year and the production he had when he made his his first start against the New York Jets when Mike Evans was suspended for a game uh, after the altercation in New Orleans, and then the last two games of the season when Deshaun Jackson went down with an ankle injury, and you will find a guy who you know averaged damn near a hundred yards receiving each game he he started. So uh, you get that kind of production out of him, or anything close to it, plus what you get with Deshaun Jackson, uh, they hope in in his second year. And uh, and then those tight ends and running backs, you, you really should be able to to score some points. The one thing I will say, Steve, that you know going into this uh, you know first preseason game on Thursday at Miami, I think that game's at seven o'clock down there. Is I'm not sure their offensive line is going to be all together um, from the standpoint that like Demar Dotson has been held out a lot because he's coming back from those two knee injuries. He had the patellar tendon and then he had a meniscus. Uh, surgery and so even though he's out there and he'll take some reps I don't know they want to play him in that first game okay so if he's not available at right tackle Leonard Wester would be the next guy but he's been hurt so I don't know if Wester's going to make it back early this week in time to play in Miami Um, failing that you you know you got guys like Seton and some other people that really haven't played a whole lot of football that are going to have to start Uh, and then 
you know, if you got – think about the quarterbacks, and I wouldn't expect Fitzpatrick or Jameis Winston to play much in the first game, um, maybe a series or two each, two or three each. But you're going to have to keep your starting offensive line out there because I don't think you want to expose Jameis Winston, even though he's going to miss the first three games, to, you know, uh, bad blocking. Um, so it's, it, there's a balancing act here, I guess, that they're going to have to play. Um, but the offense, I would say right now, there's probably a little concern. I mean, you got, you know, Caleb Bennett knocked is out. That's the other guy that could play right tackle. He doesn't look like he's close to playing on Thursday. Uh, right now, that means Alex Kappa, who's a rookie, is going to probably line up at right guard. So you could have, um, you know, inexperienced whole right side of your offensive line. And and to me, that's kind of a scary thing. <laughs> it's just, and that's your starting offensive line. Now you have the drop off when you get to twos and threes, right? So you don't want to put necessarily Jameis out there with the twos. So I think I think Ryan Griffin's going to get a lot of work on Thursday night. Okay, finally in football, our favorite college football coach, Urban Meyer. When we last left you on uh, Friday, heading into Friday morning, well, later that evening or afternoon, we finally finally heard a statement from Urban Meyer who said, uh, I have, have some alternative facts or something like that. It was, it was sort of a – well, let's just back up a little bit. If you remember – when this whole thing came down at Ohio State and Zach Smith, who's the you know the wide receivers coach who was fired when it became evident that there had been domestic violence and assault accusations dating back to 2015, and then of course at the Big Ten media days, uh, Meyer was asked I think like nine times various questions uh, about that that firing and whether he was aware of it at the time, and he denied that he knew anything about it. Um, and and, and to, when it came to their attention, of course, they dismissed him. He said, who would create that story? Well, I'll tell you who would have, Brett McMurphy. But that aside, what he said on Friday when he finally released a statement, of course, he's suspended right now with pay. Um, he said that, uh, quote, my words, whether in reply to a reporter's question or addressing a, a personnel issue, must be clear, compassionate, and most of all, completely accurate. Unfortunately, I failed on many of those fronts. Yeah, you lied. <laughs> I mean, it's you know he went on to say like he was he didn't he was not prepared. Somehow he he was not prepared for those questions. Like he had not thought that that was going to be asked. But it's it's impossible to me, Steve, to think that a guy who knows today what he would do on fourth and three, trailing by four in the third quarter against Michigan State, what he would call. And I mean, he probably knows it right now. Uh, somehow would would make his way to Big Ten media days after having fired his, you know, or re- let his receivers coach go for a domestic violence uh, accusation, and never expect to be asked a question about it. Well, he didn't think it was going to be. He didn't think anyone had the story. And there you go. And, and furthermore, the statement. Look, let's be honest. The statement wasn't about I'm innocent. I deserve to keep no. my job. It was, you can fire me, but you're going to pay me. You're not firing me <laughs> for cause. Right. Is what that, that statement basically said, you can read my contract. I can be fired for cause if yeah. I didn't report such incidents, things like that. I reported it. You can't fire me for lying for cause. So you want to fire me, you can pay me. That's, that's what that statement was. And I, I think you know, that's I'm, exactly what it is. It's not he wants to be fired, but if you're going to fire me, I'm getting paid. So go ahead. Yeah. The other thing about that statement, it all but assures that whoever he told is also getting fired, which could be the president of the university. This feels a lot, and not the same, 
Obviously, you know, not you know, not the same case uh, that they had with Jerry Sandusky. But if you remember, Joe Paterno said he had informed people as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, those people, the president and somebody else, wound up wound up being dismissed. And and I would think that that might be the case. That uh, well, we haven't heard Gene, from Athletic Director Gene Smith. Gene We've not Smith, heard a yeah. word from him yet. And you have to assume. Uh, you know, he's definitely in the the crosshairs of an investigation. Ohio State on Sunday night has announced that the uh, investigation has begun. It will be wrapped up within 14 days. Mm-hmm. So the first two weeks of practice for the Buckeyes are going to be without Coach Urban Meyer. Maybe mm-hmm. the season is. We'll find out. Um, as their interim coach, uh, the offensive coordinator, is, is running the show now. Um, but it, it's supposed to be wrapped up. There's a former head of the Security Exchange Commission. Uh, that's heading the investigation. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they expect it to be wrapped up within two weeks of, and I have to imagine still at this point that Urban Meyer is gone, Gene Smith will be gone, and possibly more above them. Do you see any scenario? And I keep thinking to myself, I totally agree with you, by the way. I don't, I don't, can't imagine that Urban Meyer is going to coach Ohio State ever again. Can't imagine it, really. Um, well, and- uh, I. But let me let me ask you this okay. though. Let let's say, okay, for the sake of argument that they do their investigation, they say, "Yeah, you know, what do we expect them to do?" I mean, he did inform somebody. Um, let's say he's telling the truth and and whether that's the president or there's somebody else that, you know, did not remove the coach, although Urban had every ability to do that with or without cause. Um, let's let's say that's true. Do you see, you know, I heard there was 25,000 people's names on a petition not to fire this guy. But can is, is there a possibility? Well, let's play out the scenario. What if Ohio State said, okay, uh, this is on the administrators who did nothing. Urban followed protocol. Uh, he probably should have dismissed him a long time ago. That That wasn't good judgment on his part. But he did let us know. And ultimately, we're the university. So somebody else takes the fall, and they say of Urban Meyer, "You're suspended for three games." Well, let's 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 play this out a little bit. Okay, so Urban is now claiming he did report this, mm-hmm. and Zach Smith was on the radio in Columbus saying that Gene Smith called him back from a recruiting trip and talked to him about it. Mm-hmm. So let's say, and remember, Zach Smith is Earl Bruce's grandson. Earl Bruce was That's a correct. coach at Ohio State for many years. Urban Meyer's mentor as well. And but, the University of Tampa, by the way. But let's let's say, and, and Earl Bruce has now, he died a couple months ago, so he's not in the picture right now. So, Literally. Well, yeah. So let's say, let's say Urban Meyer says, I wanted to fire him. I recommended it, but Earl Bruce went to those above me and stopped it because he's a, a Ohio State coach. Blaming it on a, a dead man? You're going to blame it on a I, dead man? It, I'm, maybe that's a true story. I'm, I'm, I'm making up a scenario. You asked if there's any scenario where you could see I that he's suspended or not. I actually think that's pretty genius. That's pretty genius scenario when you think I mean, about it. I mean, Earl Bruce could, you know, if Urban wanted to, and I have no idea if he did, and, and but Earl Bruce knows yeah. everyone at that university, is well-known in Ohio State. Mm-hmm. He could have gone to anybody there and said, you're not firing my grandson. Right. I right. have no idea if that happened. That's pure speculation. But you asked for a scenario where, yeah, maybe he only gets a suspension. No, trample a legend. I mean, I'm trying to think because I, there's a there's a part of me that thinks that the Ohio State is just big enough for their own britches that they would say, mm-hmm. "You can't tell us who to fire." Uh, they did <laughs> you know? fire Jim Tressel. 
I, well, they fired Woody Hayes for God's sake. They sakes. fired Woody Hayes too. Although that I one mean, well, punching a player on the sideline—that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had lo- he had lost uh, a little bit of uh, integrity there at the end. He was kind of an, a, a crazy guy, but but still, they did it. They did what they they did the right thing. They did what they mm-hmm. had to do. Well, Chris Spielman, uh, Chris Spielman said, uh, I think he was at Lions camp on last week at some point. And he said, "Look, and Urban Meyer has said this many times: Ohio State's bigger than all of us." Sure. And it in is. this case, Ohio State's got to be bigger than Urban Meyer if he's in the wrong and deserves to be fired. Now we'll see if that happens. But yeah, my money is that he's not the coach there again, ever again. I think it's a but, long shot at this point. But you know, I also most people didn't think he had reported it. Now he's alleging he has. We'll see if what the investigation shows. Yeah, but most people didn't be- think that had happened. They thought he just hid it and covered it up. So we'll yeah. see. Well, now that he says he has, he's just he's just uh, pretty much indicted whoever he told um, for being. Well, the AD is definitely or, in the crosshairs, and there may be yeah. more. There might be a university president or two, uh, vice president that might go as well. So we'll follow that story, uh, of course, because it's always breaking news. And uh, where the Rays headed next, I guess they've got. They're still at home. They have an uh, off day tonight, and then they have Baltimore coming to town for a three-game the, the, series. The Orioles, yeah. So they'll continue to play down. No, hopefully they'll get the uh, they get the Orioles back for that bashing. Boy, the Orioles, there's one team that they hit. They hit the Rays harder than anybody they played, and not just this past series that they lost up there in Baltimore about a week or so ago. Um, they've, they've just – destroyed Rays pitching so the Rays got something coming uh, to them that uh, they need to pay the Orioles back for of course I'll be out at Bucks training camp we got practice um, you know both uh, Monday and Tuesday morning Wednesday is closed to the media and to the public Uh, they will be making their way down to Miami and Steve we are already at the first preseason game Thursday night in Miami Dolphin Stadium there whatever the hell they call it these days um, and it is uh, going to be around, I think, 7 o'clock is a kickoff. So we've got NFL football with the Buccaneers, and then the next week they go to uh, Tennessee for a joint practice. So it's a, a couple days off or you know a couple days back at work over the weekend, and then they'll leave Tuesday um, and, and go down to Nashville. They'll practice Wednesday and Thursday. They'll take a walk-through day and be off kind of the rest of Friday and then play Saturday night. So before you know it, we'll be talking, and they'll be halfway through the preseason. We are three days from toe meeting leather. I can't wait till toe meets leather. We get the football. Fire the cannons. Bucks win. Bucks win. Fire those cannons. Yep. Fire those coaches. Um, in colleges, the USF, uh, Florida, Florida State, all the colleges are now their uh, fall workouts have begun as they're uh, less than four weeks away from their first games. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. Those student athletes have a couple days to be athletes and not student athletes. So they'll get the work in before classes start. Um, which, by the way, I mean, I know why Ohio State did this. I, I, I put Circle the Wagons in Twitter when this happened. But, you know, as soon as this occurred, it was like, the Ohio State football practice will be closed to the media for the time going forward, and there will be absolutely no interviewing of coaches or players. This is so that our student athletes – can focus. Well, not I, even in school right now. I believe. I believe they said that at least through till Monday they were closing it, and then I you don't know if they made it. On, on I don't today? know if they made. I don't know. I, I don't know if they over the weekend they may have made a determination what they were doing going forward. But initially it was. I bet they're not you know, practice it. started Friday. It was going to be through the weekend at least. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I'm not sure what the the plan is for this week up there. But um, well, 
Yeah, and I saw a lot of the uh, the Ohio State writers, um, you know, kind of upset about it and, you know, saying, look, if the university said, look, no questions about Urban Meyer to the players, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they would have mm-hmm. been like, fine. We, we got plenty of stories to talk about as far as, you know, a new quarterback this year at Ohio State and all kinds of new players. And But nobody was going to go in there and write about the new quarterback, were they? Well, I with, mean, with, look. With, with, I mean, how could you not ask the question, like, was this? Do- I mean, you'd you ask know. the question, and, and and if you coach the players, you know. I mean, the good thing about college, like, the good thing about college, it's not an open locker room. And you can go to all hundred and whatever no, players you that got, are in there. Yes, they, right. They bring you, they three to, to five players out that's to you, right. and you that's coach right. them. And you just say, you know, look, we're you know we're let the university handle handle what's going on. We're just focused on practice now. And then you know, right. the the writers, the experienced writers, are going to ask the question once to players and move on. These aren't pro right. players. These aren't guys that are making millions of dollars. You'll ask right. it because you have to ask the question. They're coached on how to answer it, and then it moves on. You've been but in the locker there is, You know that's there, how it is. There is this feeling, though, and, of course, it's circle of the wagons in pro sports teams anyway, but there is this feeling, though, that when universities want to control the message and mm-hmm. vis-a-vis shield the, the athletes, mm-hmm. they, they're, then they're student athletes. Then it's about, well, sure. oh, wait, no, 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 this is way too demanding. These these guys, they need to focus. You know, they go to school. They're they're here to play football, sure, but these they, we have to protect mm-hmm. the student athletes. But then the rest of the damn time, it's like, yeah, and we get $150 million a year for, for college football. Now, look, if I was yeah. Ohio State, I would have done exactly what they did over the weekend is close it. Because this, hap- this happened right as the season, right as it was starting. It's a new, uh, a guy who's never been a head coach. You've thrust in the interim role for a lot of reasons. Well, based and on they don't who, know what, on... not knowing what's going to happen to Urban. You're right. right, right. I mean, so give you a couple days to go. Okay, let's. You know, I assume they're going. I I would hope that at some point they're going to open it up because there's still football to talk about and things like that. And yes, the Urban question is going to be asked, but. Mm-hmm. Gives you a couple days to whether it's coach the athletes or to get the interim coaches, you know, prepared for this. You know, I mean, this was thrown on them two days before camp opened or you know whatever they call the fall practice session. So, I, you know, I can understand. I, don't need I can you understand. To be a good gonna... crisis management guy for them, Steve. I mean, just well, because it's the right answer, I don't have to be happy about yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't say you had to be happy. I'm, a, I'm saying I'm, I would have done. I, if I was Ohio State, I would have done that too. I know. And, and there, you probably would have been well within your rights. But as, as a member of the media, I'm not happy they did it. I think it sucks. <laughs> it really sucks because now we got to write stories without. You know, that's the other thing. Like, there's some poor guy going, "Look, I'd love to write about the quarterback situation, well, but you guys, you guys aren't giving me anything. At, I got no access." Yeah, at some point, they have to open it up just so there is a different story besides that. I mean, exactly. yes, they're going to write those stories too, but yeah, but that's all you that's all you can write because you don't. You know, the, the picture hasn't changed. It, it would be different though if they when they dismiss Meyer, then of course it'll be you know okay we're going to do this one mm-hmm. time blah blah blah. I do remember um, years ago I was covering the University of Florida, and if you remember, um, and I would think you may be I don't know if you remember these teams or not, Steve, but uh, Galen Hall was a coach of the Florida Gators and was doing very well. In fact, I think they jumped out to a four and zero or five and zero start that one year. Uh, and um, then the wheels fell off because there was a betting sc- gambling scandal involving um, their court. A couple Shane Matthews was one of the ones that was involved in that. I think Kyle Morris, who was their starting quarterback, and some others. Um, and then uh, it turned out that Galen Hall was dismissed because uh, it was discovered that he had been given money to Jarvis. I think it was Jarvis Williams. One of those players, uh, and, and the word is that he was doing it to help him with his child support, but just as illegal in the eyes of the NCAA. So, shockingly, it, it came down after four or five weeks, whatever it was, 
Remember, they beat LSU in the last second field goal. I don't know why I remember this. But they beat LSU in the last second field goal at at Death Valley. I mean, at, at, uh, at up there on a night game, which was crazy. Uh, and then and then the next day or two, um, we come home and, and Galen is fired. And they, the guy that took over for Galen was Gary Darnell. He was a defensive uh, coordinator. And I think he'd come from Texas. But it was the most bizarre uh, press conference when he sat up there and uh, was asked about, you know, this quote-unquote opportunity um, to be the head football coach at Florida. And he was talking about Galen Hall. And I just always remember him saying, I feel like daddy got drunk and thrown in jail. It's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> it was just like, it was just like this, this homespun, you know, kind of, it goes, anyway, human kindness just got kicked in the teeth. And I was like, wow, this is going to be fun with Gary Darnell. Those are some man. great metaphors. I love that. Yeah. I feel like daddy got drunk and thrown in jail. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, Florida was, Florida was back. four and one when he got let go. Were they four and one? Yeah. And I Gary Darnell went three up. and four. I was so close. Yeah, they wound up uh, at the Freedom Bowl. I want to say that was that became Emmett Smith's last year. They had no quarterback. It was awful. I mean, uh, Emmett Smith. They beat Auburn one day. I swear to you, Emmett Smith had eleven man fronts, and everybody knew it. They might have attempted five passes. And they went up. Um, they went up to Auburn and won. I, I've never seen, and that's why you knew, like Emmett. This guy's just special, you know, because he wasn't the fastest guy, but he just had such great vision and. Ran with power and determination and all that, um, but he had had enough. And then, and of course, then the wheels fell off after that. It was kind of bad. Both programs, I was a kiss of death. Both programs went on probation, in no small part because I was writing about this stuff uh, <laughs> and breaking stories at the times. But um, yeah, so that that's my interim coach situation. They've had one too in basketball with Norm Sloan. We'll get into maybe when we talk about basketball one day. I'll tell you those stories too. That was that was nutty as well. Anyway, um, busy, busy weekend. We had a lot to talk about. Oh, I mentioned Tiger Woods in the opening. Uh, I, you think Tiger Woods is going to still win a tournament? He'll never win a tournament. He's got no shot. <laughs> I told you until next told week. Until next week, he's uh, you know in the running. Oh, he's going to win one. He's not though. He's not. He really is. No. Well, he may win a tournament. He's not going to win a major. I don't think he's going to win a major, and I don't think now that he's going to win a tournament. I said it. I said it way back in the day. He wasn't going to win a tournament. Then I said, no, he's going to win a major, and now I'm back to not going to win a tournament. Look, I just think his – first of all, I'm stunned that he's still out on the tour playing with his, his uh, bad back and all the things he's gone through physically. But um, And his game really isn't that far off. But still, you know, to play four days and, and, and to shoot the scores that these guys are shooting – you know, what was it, Justin Thomas won this thing, I think. Um, it's just so many good young golfers uh, that uh, can can attack these courses for four days. And, you know, Tiger kind of puts himself in, and he's four or five back on Saturday. And maybe, you know, like I said, he had his best look was at the Open Championship uh, over in England uh, or in Scotland, and, and he, he had a one-shot lead at, at you know, after 10 holes on a Sunday. I don't think he's going to get a much, much better looks than that. But. Now, saying that he might win a tournament again, does it count in eight years when he's on the senior tour? No. No, <laughs> I would say because he could do that. I mean, there's, you know, Bernhard, Bernhard Langer is still winning tournaments on that tour. Um, yeah, I, I think he could do that. But if he's still swinging a club at 50, who knows if he can even, I mean, if he can sure, keep it up sure. that long. Um, but, but no, I think it's just as far as, although, you know, Jack, I mean, Jack won at 46, but it wasn't like he won a bunch of them on his way to winning the Masters at age 46. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like a drought and a half. So, 
Uh, for four days, maybe he'll put it together, but not a not a great tournament for him. Anyway, lots going on. We mentioned Bucks training camp. We mentioned that the uh, Rays start uh, another series against the Orioles here uh, in a day on, um, like I said, it'd be on Tuesday, right? So stay tuned for that. Anyway, uh, interact with us if you can. I'm sure we'll have another mailbag maybe sometime this week. Of course, we'll have lots of Bucks stuff out at Bucks camp. And um, we want you to reach us uh, any questions you have or comments uh, about this podcast, things you'd like to hear us talk more about. Of course, we've got college football that we'll discuss also probably this week. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And we'd love for you to rate and review this podcast as well. And you can do that anywhere you get your podcast, whether iTunes or Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Just hit the subscribe button so it comes to your mobile device every day. That way you can uh, listen anytime you want. And if you leave comments, or better yet, share the podcast with a friend and tell them about it. That helps us out a lot, too. And if you'd like to advertise on the podcast, we're always looking for great sponsors that want to get the word out about their business. You can contact our sales manager, Monica Boyer. Her number is 813-957-0836, 813 813- Nine five seven zero eight three six, and if you can't remember that, just get in touch with Rick or myself, and we'll hook you up. And if you want to make your wife or girlfriend really happy, go spend two thousand dollars at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. That won't be enough. You'll get a great diamond gift for her, and you'll also take her on a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two on us. You get to pick the cruise line. You get to pick where you go in the Caribbean. It's all courtesy of Continental wholesale diamonds i'm rick stroud of the tampa bay times for steve versnick have a great monday everybody mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 